Yes, um, I guess it started up top right off the top is you know, fuck twelve, ACAB, fuck the police, fuck the FBI, CIA, the NFL, ICE, DEA, <laughs> fuck them all. Um, I don't know what to say about it anymore. Uh, I mean, honestly, you can go back and probably listen to the police academy episode from like a year and a half ago and get yeah, what we yeah. thought was a good idea to do with the police. I'm pretty sure, unless you cut that part, we said to disband the police and start over, but. Well, yeah, that's I'm a absolutely a um, prison and police abolitionist. I know that it's still extreme for a lot of people, but yeah, you're not going to win on that. No one's going to run on that for a long time, or, yeah. or maybe ever. Well, it I think it's probably an eventuality, but um, it looks like right now, defunding the police and reestablishing it is the push that people are going with, and I feel like that's an easy compromise for me to make instead of complete abolition. Um, yeah. I, I do hope that eventually we get to the point where we can't abolish police completely and uh, prisons and the carceral state in general. Because um, to me, those things are a failing of our... The reason those things exist is our society failing people. I, don't I mean, you, how can you... Yeah, you ha- it has to be because you can look at other you know Western democracies and they don't have the same rate of incarceration. So it has to be a failure. Society. Uh, yeah, our incarceration rate is just fucking ridiculous. Right, and you can even expand that further. But yeah, I think the police, the need for police at all is a failing of society. Like, I don't think police are, they're not, it's, it's not like it's a natural element of human society. I think we can get rid of police. We don't, I don't, I don't see us needing uh, prisons to the level we do, all sorts of stuff. I don't but, know. Yeah, but, well, I mean, most of the per- people in prison are like non violent drug offenders too, so. Correct, yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, like you said, with the uh-huh. Police Academy episode and stuff, uh, 
don't know, this is uh, the rage and the anger and stuff I feel right now about everything. It's uh, not new for me. I know, like, the, I know, like, we're white boys and stuff, but uh, it's not like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it feels like I'm just going to be fighting the same fights that, you know, my father and grandfather's fought. And then maybe my kids are going to sit fight it, too. And I just hope maybe they fight on the right side. I get it. Like, the black community is tired because, you know, even as a white man, I'm, I'm tired. You know, it's just I'm fed up. When's it going to change? But, yeah, I guess just keep fighting. I'll keep fighting. I mean, things are looking good, in my opinion. I know, like, the media... I'm, I'm cautious as shit. <laughs> the media narrative uh, changed from the outside agitators when that didn't work to now they're trying to... The mainstream media, at least, is trying to act like the, the protests are losing steam, but that's not the case at all. And um, the Minneapolis situation is already... Uh, seems to be approaching a bit of a, a victory. Obviously, it won't be the end, but if they do defund the Minneapolis police, that'll be an amazing turn of events. Yeah, Obviously, I mean the real problem is like because because policing is essentially a local issue. Yeah, um, it becomes really hard to get any like national movement. Really, you have to have some sort of legal federal legislation in place that dictates how police, uh, you know, uh, um, operate police operate or are formed, and like there really has to be some real teeth. And like the repercussions, like the enforcement wing of this, and it can't be run by like the local DA because they have too close a relationship with the police. It has to be like a separate uh, investigatory body, probably under like the state AG's office or something. You know what I mean? It's just well, the, the reason like is, a lot of this shit doesn't work when you try to like that race for eight shit or whatever they're talking about. Like some of those are just like, no nonsense ideas, like de- demilitarizing the police, like no shit. Yeah, but a lot of police departments have already adopted them and still are Right, but the, people, the real so. problem is that like, none of them have any fucking teeth. Like, community yeah. policing is fine. There are some real benefits to that. But, like, civilian oversight, unless they have a- actual enforcement, what does it do? Nothing. It's like, oh, we're writing complaints to the police. Oh, okay. You, you, need, you need to hit them where it hurts. It has to cost them money. It has to start costing them their pensions. And you need to have, like, a, a separate prosecuting body to... to outside of the district attorney's office. So I wasn't yeah. actually going to talk about it this much. My cat died this week and I'm in a weird mood. That's all uh, great like policy stuff. And the, my problem is, and I get, I don't, I'm, seems to be a majority of people is uh, the entirety of the system is corrupt or not even corrupt. It's functioning as it was meant to. Problem is like the system needs to be uprooted, but I mean, good luck. Fucking you got to start with the head of the snake, right? So who's that? Yeah, it's so apocryphal at this point. Like, it's so... Like, who the fuck... I don't know. You gotta... There isn't one, you know what I mean? It's not like there's a... It's, yeah. like, it's this Byzantine-style um, bureaucracy, and some of it is in, ingrained in the system, and some of it was added on. I don't know. It, it's, well, yeah, it's, the system needs to be thrown out, and we need to start over, but I'm, that's such a radical idea to most people. But, uh, I don't know. We need a more just and equitable society for people. It needs to be done. It's getting to the point where obviously people aren't going to stand for it anymore. So what's the breaking point? Is it going to be conf- direct conflict with the government? You, you know I don't I mean? know. There's been this kind of ebb and flow to this in the past we're not even really that that far into it. we're not even like the 1910 level where you know we have like some random italian anarchist tossing tnt into a bank you know 
So yeah. we got we got some room to grow before I, I make a call on that. I don't know. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of Western democracy. I'm tired of most political systems all around the world. It just seems to be bullshit. I didn't sign up for this shit. No one asked me if this is how we're going to fucking live. I don't like it. I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated. It's making me angry. I wasn't even sure if we were going to record this episode because it's like, what the fuck? Who cares about two white boys talking about? I know what you. No one's gonna believe you. You had this movie on the docket already. Yeah, I'm sure not sure I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been scheduled. Well, originally, uh, it was, we were gonna watch it around my birthday because I like this movie so much. And then um, I switched it out because there's another movie I specifically wanted to watch on my birthday. So these two movies got flipped. But that was all the way back in like February. I don't know. I did invite um, one of my friends on see if she wanted to do it, but she's too busy. And then even that's like I don't know. Here, try here's my token black friend. She's gonna talk about you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's like what's I don't know what the right thing is like the right call about it. And then part of me is like like the last week when all the like white new media figures were like we're not gonna do anything on Tuesday or whatever and say oh, well that's, that's so fucking weird. bullshit too. And then they're like, oh, it's not our place to talk about it. It's, well, you're going to put... The- it's so strange. Like, I don't... Here's my philosophy on that. Like, if you're not going to talk about it at least a little bit, then not, shit's not going to get done because there are not enough black people in, in the United States to, for a meaningful push. I, I, well, just, so know, that's what part of being a minority is. Yeah, there's two sides of it, right, for, like, the internet or, or media or content, I guess, where it's like... Well, we don't want to speak over black voices. Of course, we're not trying to do that. At all, <laughs> yeah, but so I'm going to place the black mark or black picture on uh, yeah. Instagram. <laughs> but then Paper it's, over everything. it's like also fucking. You could have just, like, I don't know. In, uh, done I something. Instagrams. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just donated don't know. some money, uh, liked other people's tweets all day or some shit. I don't know how it works. Do something. Yeah, I'm poor shit. I donate a little bit. I've been doing this thing where there's certain YouTube videos you can watch if you turn ad block off and it will go to uh, Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. So I've just been doing that in the background occasionally. So it's generating ad revenue for certain organizations and shit. There's shit you can do. And then I, part of it is, like you said, the fucking white people need to say something. I mean... I understand if you feel uneducated or not, you don't know enough or whatever, but first of all, you shouldn't have ever gotten to that position anyways. I know the complaint is about our fucking, um, the way our schools are set up. Yeah, obviously we don't cover black history enough, but it's fucking weird to me that you don't know about racism in the United States. You've never, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. If I didn't talk to my kids about it, they wouldn't get it at all ever. Yeah, I guess that is true. I guess it has to do with where you live a little bit. And like we had a lot more um first first and second hand knowledge. Yeah, well not even that too, but like in California the education was was way different when it came to racism and the civil rights movement. I don't know. It's just um to be like college educated I guess college education doesn't mean shit. I'm, that's just a trick. I'm, that, I'm a communications major. That's a trick that the white man played on me to. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's gonna matter. I don't know. It's just. Like, I mean, it kind of. I mean, it matters for a job, but like, it doesn't really matter. You don't actually learn anything. No, you just have a certificate that says you get following directions, and then the the real purpose of it is to launder privilege. I think I've said it before. This college university system exists so that rich people can 
be like, oh, my son also graduated here, so my friend will give him a job. You know what I mean? It's like fucking, it's not real. It's just consolidating wealth at the top and shit. Otherwise, and then it just it's attaching debt to people they can't afford it and they're not going to be able to get a job in their field anyways because all the jobs are fucking disappearing anyways. God damn it, overthrow no, no. this fucking government. Unemployment's down. <laughs> fucking god damn it. <laughs> hey, do you think people are going to realize that Gus Fring is the guy that plays Buggin? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they wouldn't. He look. He still looks the same, you know. <laughs> he just has. <laughs> I bet they don't. Short 100%. gray hair. I think. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm sure he talked about it at least sometime. I don't watch any interviews with famous people. In case you guys haven't figured it out yet, so I'm sure he's talked about it at some point. I don't know. I never watched Breaking Bad. I just. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know much about his career uh, aside from uh, do the right thing. Actually, wait. He was in that weird ass TV show too, where he. The lights were off. The electricity was out. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Saved by the bell? Yeah, I think that's the one. <laughs> also, he was in uh, The Mandalorian. He plays the bad guy. He's in The Mandalorian? His... Yeah, remember? He had the dark saber. Nope. Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know. My friend didn't want to do it. And then it's also, like I said, is that like tokenism? I don't know what the right answer is. But basically, no, he was Moff Gideon, you asshole. I just um, looked it up. Man, I don't give a fuck about Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm gonna kick you. But the Maybe the guy, I'm like, he has such a unique face. How would I get it wrong? And also, they, isn't he Danish? Um, he's born in Denmark, I think. Italian. His father is an Italian stagehand. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, his mother's an African American opera and nightclub singer. There you there go. You go. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, yeah, I don't know what the what the right answer is. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm fucking angry and upset. So at the police and the government and the system that operates that kills um our black brothers and sisters. So let's just get fucking pissed off right now together as two white men because I don't know. Someone needs to be fucking pissed. Everyone needs to be fucking pissed. Which side are you on? You fucking scabs. God damn the scab side. Yeah, I'm getting heated. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but whenever I we started doing the podcast, I have no, I just have uh, no patience for anything. Yeah, it's like when I started doing the podcast, it's like everything I wanted to um, explain to dummies on the internet, but uh, it's just been like building up all week, and now it's just like you fucking. I just want to like grab someone, and shake them, and like slap them and shit. Fuck. Um. So yeah, do the right thing. Nineteen eighty nine. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother Sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. LaSalle's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I know you can't stand it. You can't stand it. Hey, Sal, I'm going to put the wall here. You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about the noise? What I tell you about them pictures? You called some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Ah! Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You like to sign a petition to boycott Tao's famous pizzeria? Hear me what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. 
On the hottest day of the year, on a street in the Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn, everyone's hating bigotry smolders and builds until it explodes into violence. This is, of course, directed by Spike Lee. It is his third film after his third feature-length film after She's Gotta Have It and School Days. Um, so I saw Spike Lee on the news like last week or something. He did a short film where he cut together the um, murder of Radio Rahim with the murder of George Floyd and mm-hmm. um, Eric Garner. I don't see the relationship, but go ahead. But it's all it's, it seemed exactly <laughs> the same. The the lighting was different and um, do the right thing because it was a movie, but otherwise it's the same situation. Oh, that's another thing too. But you got people need to be straight up about this shit. These it's not George Floyd didn't like you. He didn't get accidentally killed. He's fucking murdered, right? Everyone <laughs> fucking say it. Say he was murdered. He's murdered by the cops. The cops murdered black people. Now they're starting to murder white people. The fucking gloves are off. There are no rules. The system's got to be destroyed. Cops are murdering us. We should start murdering cops. I actually probably don't do that because then the, the wrath of the state will definitely come down. Yeah, no, no, it's going to make it worse. I mean, the wrath of the state seems to already be coming down to protesters since they're uh, tracking protesters and shit like that. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, uh, that's happened to the Ferguson leaders, too. Yeah, well, I, I occupy Wall Street, too, if I understand correctly. They have those uh, damn, what are they, Red Hawk machines you can just drive around with? I forget what they're actually called. I think it's Red Hawk. Yeah, I don't know. This kind you can try. It's just a, it's a fake cell phone tower is all it is. And so every oh, cell phone area goes to that first before it hits the cell phone tower. You can track everybody's cell phone through triangulation. Fucking technology. So uh, turn off your cell phones if you're worried about it. Like, no, we must kill Jeff Bezos. I don't think it's just him. You know, because I think Apple's got a problem with it too. Am I the kind of partially a Luddite? I'm starting to be like... Oh, I had technology. <laughs> Starting to be like, you know, we don't need a lot of this stuff. That, that's why I'm in, not in favor of getting rid of uh, paper currency. Yeah, I don't know. It's already <laughs> the so like it's already like something ridiculous where like only 13 percent of the wealth is actual currency. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's money's already just like foo foo fugazi shit, right? It doesn't really represent anything anymore. So it's already just kind of made up, but it's weird that it's just you can just add a zero on a computer and money change, <laughs> like they did to boost the economy, right? That's all they did. It's just like, all right, now it's weird. yeah, it's move some zeros around. Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> all right. Spike Lee, um, get it out of the way real quick. Spike Lee rules. I think he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. He has some bad movies, but they're still good Spike Lee movies. Don't come at me with that weird Spike Lee shit. Or, well, you know, he's actually a racist. No, he's fucking not. <laughs> I don't, I don't, okay. That's like that white fragility shit. Oh, he doesn't. He he 
I don't know. It's like it's such an outdated mindset, but obviously there's still people perpetuating that idea currently. Maybe not directly. Oh, that Spike Lee is a racist, but there are people. Are you, all lives, uh, Black Lives Matter is actually racist. All lives God, matter. Okay, well, let me get it to this way. Spike Lee cannot be as rich or as famous as he was in his industry if he was a racist. It just would not work. Out. Yeah. No. Because that you can't you can't be a vitriolic racist against white people as a black man and, and really make it very far in America. That's reality. You can be a crazy racist white person and make it to be president. Yeah, no problem. Well, that's also the same the argument that black people can't be racist, which I agree with to an extent. Black people can be prejudiced and that sort of thing, yeah. but they don't have the power to operate under yeah. racism. So it's not racism. It's more like casual racism. Yeah, and then even that, it's like, well, what was that born from? It's not like people are having uh, fucking the black equivalent of KKK meetings, you know, coming together to decide how to destroy the white race. It's just, you know. I'm pretty sure that's the Black Panthers, Kyle. That's not the Black Panthers (laughs) out. Fucking love Angela Davis. Get out of my face. Where are we going? I probably was. Oh, shit. Spike Lee Lee was born Shelton Jackson Lee on March 20th, 1957, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, At a very young age. Shelton. Shelton. At a very young age, he moved from pre-Civil Rights Georgia to Brooklyn, New York. Uh, his father was a jazz musician and his mother a school teacher. And he went on to attend school at Morehouse College in Atlanta. And he developed his filmmaking skills at Clark Atlanta University. And yeah. speaking of his father being a jazz musician, the film score is composed and performed by Bill Lee, his huh. father. Even the uh, the fight the power the uh, Chuck D <laughs> public enemy fear of the play, yeah, I was gonna like, fear of the black planet that's the name of their album I know um, I couldn't think of the name of the band for some reason obviously yeah, let's talk about Flavor Flav he's still doing great right um I thought he loved Trump and shit <laughs> he got kicked out of Public Enemy for being a weirdo yeah anyways that's the soundtrack the soundtrack is popular music the score is performed by his father. Uh, 1986, the year I was born. Spike Lee made the film She's Gotta Have It, a comedy about sexual relationships. It was only made for $175,000 and it went on to earn $7 million at the box office. That is a roaring success. So because of that, it launched his career and allowed him to fund, to fund his own production company, which is 40 Acres and a Mule Filmworks. I wonder what that's a reference to. Oh, we're about to find out, audience. Ah. Listening audience, you'll be shocked to find out that this episode is going to um, teach you about uh, the racist history of the United States. So settle in. 40 Acres and a Mule is part of a special field orders number 15, a post-Civil War promise proclaimed by Union General William Tecumseh Sherman to allot family units, including freed people, a plot of land no larger than 40 acres. Sherman later ordered the army to lend mules for the agrarian reform effort. The field orders followed a series of conversations between Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton and Radical Republican abolitionist Charles Sumner, as well as Thaddeus Stevens, who is another abolitionist. Many free people believed, after being told by various political figures, that they had a right to own the land they had long worked as slaves and were eager to control their own property. It makes sense that they would believe that since they were told that, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Well, you know, we got this thing called uh, Reformation. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna end that pretty early. So, freed people widely expected to legally claim forty acres of land and a mule after the end of the war. However, Lincoln's successor, President Andrew Johnson, explicitly reversed an old proclamation such as Special Field Orders Number Fifteen and the Freedmen's Bureau Act. Why would he do that? Because uh, he's racist. <laughs> the United States is racist. 
Uh, we'll check back in on the racism of the United States. <laughs> Do we need to? <laughs> it's going to come up because of uh, the content of the film. Oh, Sherman had some great quotes, though. We should read some of those. Those are fun. Willing to come see Sherman? Yeah. He's, he said, I will burn Atlanta to the ground <laughs> and piss on the ashes. That's what he said. Uh, Spike Lee has directed four films that have been selected for the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. They are considered being culturally, his, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Bamboozled. Those four films are She's Gotta Have It, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, and Four Little Girls. Which sounds about right. That's like his, uh, those are his big ones. Oh yeah, Malcolm the X is, X is the one uh, that uh, Denzel Washington gets snubbed for. Yeah, what was his competition that? Oh, fuck, fuck the Oscars. It doesn't care. matter. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, here's a quote from Spike Lee. He says, "I've been blessed with the opportunity to express the views of black people who otherwise don't have access to power in the media. I have to take advantage of that while I'm still bankable." So, who is in this film? Spike Lee's in it. He's the main character, Mookie. That's I like uh, what young Spike Lee when he could cast himself in his movies and stuff. I mean, he should. I think he should. He should still do it. He does still cast himself in his movies, just like not as like a, a main character. Now he's gonna make like an old man comedy now. <clears throat> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like the Odd Couple or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So originally, Spike Lee campaigned for Robert De Niro to play Sal, the pizzeria owner, but uh, De Niro had to decline due to the prior commitments, and then so we got Danny Aiello. Was he uh, making Brazil? Is it, this is uh, no. It's, it's Brazil before yeah. this. Nah, he's doing something. He's making. He's getting ready to play Frankenstein or some shit. <laughs> no, that's way later too. Um, so Danny Aiello stepped in, and uh, Danny Aiello's son, real life son Rick, is in this movie. He plays a character called Gary Long. Gary Long, who is uh, the police officer who kills Radio Rahim. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, he's the big ginger. Who's Danny Aiello? He's a celebrated New York born Italian American actor. He was. We've seen him before in Harlem Nights. And we'll definitely see him mm-hmm. again because he's in some other shit. You uh, should recognize him. He's all over the place. Yeah, he's just he's a big Italian guy, you know. Danny Iowa. Uh, he, his film career didn't start until like his 40s, though, which is cool. Uh, he he was, was a real Italian mobster before. <laughs> nah, before that, he was a bus driver and the president of the Greyhound Bus Union. That's what I said. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not to like lean into the stereotype of unions being uh, mob associated, but I don't know, sometimes... <laughs> but guess what unions are better than your boss so fuck your boss union forever um so in uh march of 2004 the 70 year old aiello released his first single called all of me <laughs> and followed it a month later with an album of sanders and i listened to all of me it's actually a pretty good song it's you know the jazz yeah yeah but it's you know sometimes it's fun to listen to that and he's, his voice isn't that bad the, the classic italian crooner good for him yeah <laughs> this is basically the the um why did he break the radio <laughs> he was tired of all that racket <laughs> uh, i mean slick dick or sweet dick willie didn't like it either <laughs> yeah i mean old people don't like all the racket that's how it goes you don't smash the radio, though. Not Radio Raheem's radio. It's part of his the name. Ghetto, call it a ghetto blaster, Kyle. Call it by its Ridiculous. Name. Ridiculous. Is it an official name or is that a racist name? I wonder. Is it? I, I, did, it, it did it originate in the hood? Or did, like... Did it, was it cult, Was it appropriated? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Old, good point. Some old white man. Whatever. I said it as a that. kid. Everybody I knew said it. Yeah. 
It's because it's, it. fun, it's fun. It. To it's fun to say. It's a fun one. Say. Ghetto bird, ghetto blaster. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from Mr. Ayala, and then we'll move on to uh, so a couple more interesting people. I just thought I figured get this white guy out of the way. I was 40 when I did my first movie. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. My interpretation of acting at the time, because I didn't know how to build the character, was pure energy. People call me an instinctive actor. I used to consider that an insult early on, only because I never study. Now, I love it. And he, he has had an illustrious career, so that's, that's nice for Danny Ayala. It'd be nicer for me. Me too. I need I'm, some of that, that Danny Ayala <laughs> cash. I wanna th- I'll, I'll open up a, a home for deaf and blind children. Fucking, <laughs> if you get me rich, uh, I will fucking abolish the police. Just watch me. I'm going to try to do that anyways. So now let us move on to Ozzie Davis, who plays the mayor, as he's called in the neighborhood. He's a celebrated actor of stage and screen, as well as being a civil rights activist. Davis, Davis was one of the notable black directors of his generation. He directed movies such as Gordon's War, Black Girl, and Cotton Comes to Harlem. And then also, as a playwright, Davis <gasps> wrote Paul Robeson, All-American, which is frequently performed in theater programs for young audiences. He is named to the NAAC Image Awards Hall of Fame with his wife, wife Ruby D in 1989. He uh, also is in a bunch of Spike Lee's movies. So he's in Do the Right Thing. He's also in Jungle Fever. Uh, she Hate Me and Get on the Bus. Well, he's in a shit ton of stuff. I just watched uh, the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle movie with the kids um, the other day. He's in it? Uh, and he's in, he plays Eddie Murphy's dad. He's, uh, he's, he's Mr. Doolittle, I think. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that movie since it came out. I saw it in the theaters as a child. And it was, I, I don't know. I liked, it. I liked Eddie Murphy a lot when I was a kid. So I was like, Fucking perfect. The classic it, it was great. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, it was in the you know you got uh, Chris Rock as the, the the guinea pig, Norm Macdonald as the dog. It, it's, it's a fun time. Nice. Way uh, better than that sh- fucking shitty Iron Man Doctor Doolittle movie where they're pulling shit out of a dragon's asshole. Yeah, no one saw that shit. <laughs> no, I saw it. I know. I want to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I heard about it is like uh, about a month after it had come out, um, someone said it came out, and I was like, oh, that movie came out. And it had already been out for a month. It must have made like $5. Oh, yeah. It didn't make any money. So Ozzie Davis and uh, his wife, Ruby D were well-known as civil rights activists during the civil rights movement and were close friends of Malcolm X, Jesse Jackson, and Martin Luther King Jr. I'm as not well familiar as, uh, with any of those people. Some of their icons of the air. Ah, uh, yes. You would say that. White American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar that? with Martin Luther King only because of school. But the other two. We did one of them one for president. I think Malcolm X ran for president. <laughs> You're familiar with uh, the really whitewashed, uh, completely bloodless version of Martin Luther King. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's not even fair because I remember one of my earliest memories is actually reading, um, at least uh, in school about racism, is reading the letters from the Birmingham jail. And the, the part that actually sticks out for me the most is the part where he talks about uh, what it's like, you know, hearing. Uh, you know, his wife never getting respect and his father never getting respect and growing up and like never being treated as a human. That's the part I always remember. I wonder if that's because we grew it was the Bay Area though. No. Or like, what do they teach you in Texas about Martin Luther King? <laughs> or well, fucking... he, he marched to Washington in 1968 and ended racism. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's some fucking cornbread type shit like that. Oh, gosh. They're uh, involved in organizing the 1963 Civil Rights March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom and served as its MCs. And then Davis... Master's the ceremony? 
mic controller. <laughs> uh, Davis, alongside Ahmed Osman, delivered the eulogy at the funeral of Malcolm X. I also delivered a stirring tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at a memorial in New York's Central Park the day after King was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, Ozzie Davis was found dead in a Miami hotel room on February 4th, 2005. An official cause of death was not released, but he was known to have had heart problems. Rest in peace and rest in power, Mr. Ozzie Davis. And who else is in the film? We just mentioned her previously. It's Ozzie Davis' wife, Ruby D. Ruby D. She's mother sister. Yep, mother sister. She's actress, poet, playwright, screenwriter, journalist, and civil rights activist. A whole bunch of stuff that I'm not. This lady just puts me to shame. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you, you still got something, on, you know, like... Uh, you got that white privilege. There you go. <laughs> uh, Ruby Wallace married blues singer Frankie D. Brown in 1941, began using his middle name as her stage name, and then they divorced in 1945. So that's she why said, she, fuck it, I'm keeping it. Yeah, that's why she goes root by Ruby D. Uh, three years later, she married act- actor Ozzie Davis, whom she met while co-starring in Robert Ardrey's 1946 bar- Broadway play, Jeb. Which I do not Jeb, think... Jeb, I believe it's about the younger Bush son, right? Jeb. Not, I do not believe it's about Jeb Bush. Jeb, what fucking name is... What is that His New for? York 2016 Republican primary run. Where he literally said, please clap. <laughs> <laughs> Jeb. Is Jeb short for something? Like Jeb Jebediah, Adai, right? Oh. Uh, God damn, what a name. <laughs> That's the bushes for it. Uh, so her and Ozzy had three children. They have a blues musician, a son who's a blues musician named Guy Davis. And the, he was born a blues musician. That was <laughs> that's the way it sounded. Yeah, that's she gave it. birth to a blues musician. <laughs> and they also have two, daughter, two daughters, Nora Day and Hasna Muhammad. Uh, D was a breast cancer survivor of more than three decades. She's got powerful breasts. Like my wife. Uh, she received national rash- Ruby D received national recognition for her role in the 1950 film The Jackie Robinson Story. That's kind of what brought her into the mainstream. The spot. Who, who's she? Ruby D. No, who's Jackie Robinson? Jackie Robinson is a man. <laughs> He's a baseball player. I'm gonna, then, this, I'm gonna play a stereotypical white man the entire oh. time. Have I told you that I I, sp- I spend a lot of my time at home pretending with my wife and children that I don't know like normal oh, pop shit. culture shit? Yeah. Like I pretended not to know who Doji Cat was the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Doji Cat? Doji Cat. Dojo Cat. Is that like is it like karate? karate Cat? Listeners may be familiar with the name Jackie Robinson because of recent news where they arrested a bunch of protesters who were protesting police brutality against black people, sort of systematic racism. They arrested them and then held them in a stadium that was named after Jackie Robinson. Because fucking, I mean, it's fucking poetry. They, you know, they did it on purpose to rub their fucking faces and that shit. I don't know. Cops aren't that smart, so maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm a fifty-fifty. I just like threw my hands in the air when I saw that shit. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I, the other day, I saw the fucking video of that woman getting groped and she pushed the cop away and then they'd all yeah. beat the shit out of her. I was fucking ready to kill somebody. Well, that's fucking the. I, I mean, mean, that's the rally. Like, I, videos. Every single one you see, the fucking. Get your knee off fucking George Floyd's neck. Get your fucking knee off. I don't cop, you fucking pig. It's so strange to me that it. Uh, that it, it all these people are coming like, oh, I had no idea. Like, where the fuck were you? Where have you been? Where the fuck have you been? I can't, man, fucking, 
even if you grew up in the fucking most suburban, like flavorless, was, right? Was crack, like, I don't know. You got the fucking internet, you fucking white cracker. You've seen this shit for like two decades now. And you're only, it's existed forever. You're just only seeing it now because people have fucking phones now. There's a bunch of names at the end of this movie. Guess what happened to them? Murdered by the cops or racists of some kind. Usually the cops, though. But I mean, the cops are racist. One and the same. Who gives a fuck? It's all the same shit. Uh, 1965D performed in the lead roles at the American Shakespeare Festival as Kate in Taming of the Shrew and Cordelia in King Lear, becoming the first black actress to portray a lead role in the festival. I'm sure everyone was super <gasps> thrilled with that. I'm sure she didn't get death threats or anything about that. Brave woman. People get death threats from when they like are going to appear in The Witcher and they're the wrong color. So yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. Her career in acting crossed all major forms of media over a span of eight decades, including the films A Raisin in the Sun, in which she recreated her stage role as a suffering housewife in the projects, and also Edge of the City. She played both roles opposite of Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier? Everyone loves him. Yep. Even white people. In 1995, she and Davis were awarded the National Medal of Arts. They, between them, they have a lot of awards because they're very cool, important people. Not like us. Not yet. Yeah. I don't know. Eventually, I'm getting awards. I got plenty of time. Danny Aiello didn't start acting until his 40s. Plenty of time. Life won't, years. Life won't well, pass you by. Six, six, closer to six. What? Oh, holy shit. I forgot how old I was the other yeah, day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. I don't give a fuck. I feel fine. I feel great. I feel healthier than I did a decade ago because I'm not a fucking alcoholic. Well, I feel healthier than I did a decade ago, but I am depressed as shit. Oh, yeah. That's just my life. That is, since I've been about mm, nine, yeah. I've had like some kind of depression. I just didn't understand it until I was about 14. And then uh, other problems I didn't understand until I was about 19. And then uh, additional problems that I didn't figure out until I was about 30. And then whatever I'm dealing with now, I figure around 40, I'll get, I'll get to the bottom <laughs> of that. And then, you know, that's right around the corners, and then I'll start worrying about that instead. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, that um, joke about like Conan talking about Irish people or on your deathbed. You just go, "Well, that was terrible." <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, shit. Uh, uh, Ruby D was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 2007 for her portrayal of Mama Lucas in American Gangster. She did not win, but she did win the Screen Actors Guild Award for the same performance. I'm sure the Oscars gave it to like Emma Stone for the help or some shit and then patted themselves on the back of it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, best supporting actress, you said 2007? 2007. Tilda Swinton? For what? Karen Chowder and Michael Clayton. I don't remember her and Michael Clayton. I've fucking never even watched Michael Clayton. Yeah. The Oscars a- can never get it right. Yeah, my, uh, my son was born in 2008 and that's when I stopped watching movies uh, so I definitely saw all the movies in this 2007 category except for I'm Not There which one is that? alright that's cool yeah right. we're talking about nonsense now that's, that's my mood Kyle D was a member of the Congress of Racial Equality the NAACP the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee Delta Sigma Theta Sorority and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in 1970, she won the Frederick Douglass Award from the New York Urban League. 1999, Dean and Davis were arrested at one police plaza, the headquarters of the New York Police Department, protesting the police shooting of Amado Diallo. 
<clears throat> All right, so back to the uh, racist history of the United States. Who's Amadovia? <laughs> <laughs> And in the early yeah. hours of February, we're be here all day if you're gonna do that. <laughs> it's just as they come up. I'm not gonna list off uh, every person killed by the police, but you know. <laughs> in the early hours of February 4th, 1999, a 23-year-old Guinean immigrant named Amado Diallo was shot and killed by four New York City police officers. They were uh, plainclothes officers named Sean Carroll, Richard Murphy, Edward McMillan, and Kenneth Boss. You'll notice the uh, three of them have Irish names. You said NYPD, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, Carol would later claim to have mistaken him for a race fa- ra- rape suspect for, from one year earlier, though his claim was never confirmed by any objective evidence because he fucking made it up. Yeah, he looks like the rape suspect from a year ago that I totally you know remember. that rape fucker. Yeah. Also, cops uh, are fucking terrible at handling um, uh, sexual assaults and rapes. Anyways, there's no way that he ever attempted to oh, solve yeah. any rapes. So he's just fucking I bullshit. That. Like the someone place. online was like, "What are you gonna do if you're raped and there's no police?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know. Did you see what happened with Sheriff Joe? Because they're over here. There's about nine million rape kits that never got processed." Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's. I love the responses or that that one meme where it's like. Oh, you hate the cops? Well, what are you going to do if someone robs you and you need someone to show up seven hours later to shrug their shoulders? Because the cops fucking suck. They don't do shit. We don't need them for nothing. Because cops fucking suck. They don't do shit. All they do is commit violence. Oldest gang in town. Fucking kill them. That's not all they do. They also generate a lot of uh, income revenue for the city by pulling over uh, traffic violators. All right. So they protect property and the ruling class and they commit violence in order to protect the property of the ruling class. Yeah, we all know it. Uh, The officers fired a combined total of 41 shots, 19 of which struck Diallo outside his apartment in the Bronx. No problem there. No excessive force. 41 shots. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The four officers who were part of the now defunct street crimes unit were charged with second degree murder. And what do you think happened to them? Uh, they went to prison for several years. They were never worked in as a police officer again. They had their pension stripped from them and their families left town in shame. Now nah, they were acquitted at trial. Oh, okay. And their lives went on perfectly fine. I'm sure that was, that's, you know, just served. Yeah. That's just, that's just an anomaly, right? It doesn't happen. In uh, early 2003, The Nation published, not in our name, an open proclamation vowing opposition to the impending U.S. invasion of Iraq. Ruby D. and Ozzie Davis were among the signatories, along with Robert Altman, Noam Chomsky, Susan Sarandon, and Howard Zinn, among others. That's the thing. Uh, another thing you know, white people need to uh, open their eyes to is if you're just now realizing that you don't want uh, state oppression to run through the streets and uh, hurt our people, we should probably stop promoting and supporting state oppression in other communities around the world. That's right. Defund the military as well. <clears throat> in November 2005. You're going to get 5% of the vote. Nah, uh-uh. It's it's building. I can feel it. I can feel it in the air. People. <laughs> nah, I don't know. I think I'm looking at polling. And I'm like, I don't. Think, it doesn't seem like it's moving as much as I thought it would. I think there's going to be some real reforms, but I don't. I don't think we're ever going to completely. Nah, it's, it, it may not be my my lifetime, but I don't know. We it's 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 coming. The reckoning is coming for these old ass fools who kept us under their thumb for hundreds of years. It's fucking coming. I can feel it. <laughs> It may not be next year. It may not be the next election. It may not be a couple elections. There actually may not ever be elections as we know them anymore, or the elections will need to change. But 
Fucking, okay, it's coming. I mean, it's for sure, coming. elections need to change. We, what the fuck are we still using Electoral College for? It was a racist institution in the first place. Also, why is there two parties, and why does neither party re- uh, seem to reflect the values? Well, of I mean, the, the party system isn't like by design. I was just kind of, I, I don't know. That's you have to get uh, the they, same shit in the parliamentary systems. They definitely keep a stranglehold on the parties that exist in the United that's States. That's true. So. That's right. And neither well, party. Well, sort of true. The problem is that most people just don't agree with you. You know what I mean? Or me. Yeah, that's because of the um, control the media has over people and the people who have control of the media. Well, well, you, back to one like problem. You have, there's so much information out there these days that I, I, like, a lot of it is just willful ignorance. Well, um, I mean, I don't know if some might be willful, willful ignorance. I, it might be laziness. I attribute a lot of it to... Um, uh, I mean, propaganda, people being forced to work nonstop, not having yeah, no, time to digest it, media, yeah. being completely inundated with um, nonsense media all the time. You get it from all sides all the time. People are just trying to sell you shit. Can't turn your head without getting some fake opinion or some idea they're trying to plant in your head. It's just a constant stream of bullshit that people have to suffer through. So even if you, but I don't. Know, a lot of times, people want that bullshit, though. You know, I, I don't know. They think they want it, but I don't. It, I don't think it's good for people. I know. I'm stay positive. I'm fucking help any way I can. Let's fucking do it. I'm t- man. I'm not giving up on this shit. I'm fucking make your, your constitution too better than the first one. <laughs> you can basically just take the constitution and then just cross a bunch of shit out and be okay. Nah, I'm rewriting. It's got stupid old people language in it. No, man, I love the the Governor Morris opening. Nah, fuck it. Fuck the Constitution. I'll piss on that shit, man. Fuck the state. I think I think Nick Cage did that in one of those movies. <laughs> if, you, if you piss on it, it reveals the secret writing that Benjamin <laughs> Franklin put on the back of it. No, is he got captured. You find his, his secret recipe to um, uh, blackstrap molasses. No, you're misremembering the plot of the film. What it is is he got captured by his adversary, and he had to roll it up and hide it in his urethra. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, Luckily, in the case of a giant urethra. Yeah, then he pissed it out. <laughs> in November 2005, Dee was awarded, along with her late husband, the Lifetime Achievement Freedom Award presented by the National Civil Rights Museum located in Memphis. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, once again, that was where Dr. Martin Luther King was killed, uh, probably by the government. So uh, it, just keep that in mind. Racism. <laughs> uh, Ruby Dee is a longtime resident of... Uh, New Rochelle, New York. She was inducted into the New Rochelle Walk of Fame, which honors the most notable residents from throughout the community's 325-year history. She was also inducted into the Westchester County Women's Hall of Fame on March 30, 2007. And she died on June 11, 2014, at her home in New Rochelle, New York, from natural causes at the age of 91. In a statement, Gil Robertson IV of the African American Film Critics Association said, Members of the African American Film Critics Association are deeply saddened at the loss of actress and humanitarian Ruby Dee. Throughout her seven-decade career, career, Dee embraced different creative platforms with her various interpretations of Black womanhood, and also used her gifts to champion for human rights. Her strength, courage, and beauty will be greatly missed. And then, of course, rest in peace, rest in power, Ruby Dee. Uh, who else is in the movie? Obviously, those are the those are the two big hitters. Was some serious fucking human beings right there. <laughs> well, there's Sam Jackson too. He's he's Nick Cage. Who would have thought? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, Samuel Jackson is in it. Nick Fury. 
Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, I said Nick Cage. Yeah, <laughs> Nick uh, for what a career. You know, what a fucking career <laughs> Samuel what? Jackson's had, though. My God. Um, uh, so, uh, a lot of, I don't, it seems like a lot of people haven't uh, watched Jackie Brown. So, I'm going to throw that out here with regards to Samuel Jackson. Go ahead and watch Jackie Brown. It's actually probably one of Quentin Tarantino's best movies, even though a lot of people don't talk about it. And it's one of uh, Samuel Jackson's best performances. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff in it. You got you got Pam Greer, yeah, and Rob uh, De Niro being real scummy in it. Yeah, oof, real real mm. skeezy Robert De Niro. I wonder how method he went for this. That was just real life Robert De Niro. <laughs> he acts like he's all about uh, sensitivity and the arts and you know like artists, uh, nice guy stuff, but really he's he's Italian scumbag. <laughs> Um, we also have <clears throat> two of the uh, greatest character actors of all time, in my opinion. They, of course, play the sons of Sal. One oh. is R- Richard Edson. Who's been in like nine million fucking movies. And yeah. TV shows. I mean, specifically, I, um, so he plays the janitor in one episode of Pete and Pete, which I always remember. And then he's amazing Black Dynamite for his small part. And, of course, he's in Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other one is much more famous. It's uh, John Turturro. So we already saw him in Miller's Crossing. He, of course, plays the Shimada. John Turturro almost always plays an asshole. Yeah, that's what he's good at. Uh, he's the best bros with the Coen brothers, of course. He's born, been in a bunch of their movies. He is actually a New York-born Italian-American, even though uh, Adam Sandler always has him playing uh, different ethnicities. <laughs> Sometimes offensively. <laughs> That's what I'm saying for you. That's the Sandman yeah. for you. Can't get mad at the Sandman. <laughs> That's the Sandman for you. And then uh, as we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we got uh, Giancarlo Esposito. His full name is fucking awesome. It's uh, Giancarlo Giuseppe Alejandro Esposito. And then, yeah, you <laughs> fucking nerds uh, listening to this will remember him from Breaking Bad. Cool guys like me will know him as a recurring cast member in Spike Lee movies or Spike Lee joints, if you will. Yeah, right. I don't think I've seen a more recent Spike Lee joint since like the Saint Miracle on Saint shit. I don't remember that. Miracle never, on Saint. I'm going with Miracle on Saint Anne. You didn't watch Black Klansman? No, I have it, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh. I'm telling you, I have not. I'm really bad about watching movies. Oh, Black Klansman, I think, is a very return to form movie for Spike. Not that the movies in between were like bad. It was just kind of like, I don't know. He didn't seem to be getting the funding or the enthusiasm that he used to for a lot of his movies but black Klansman definitely returned to form uh we also have uh bill nunn who is radio rahim he's a commanding performer bill nunn made his feature debut in fellow morehouse college graduate spike lee's school days but he really etches himself into moviegoers minds as the for more formidable <laughs> screen presence in the second film with lee do the right thing playing radio rahim whose ever-present boombox is at the center of a fight that leads to his death at the hands of an overzealous police officer. I'm going to get rid of that overzealous there. Death at the hands of a completely normal police officer. <laughs> um, I think of him mostly as Robbie Robertson from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So, yeah, listeners, you're going to know him as Robbie Robertson. He's, uh, no, also, probably not. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, even that's kind of a little outdated now, huh? Uh, he's also in Mo Better Blues and He Got Game, uh, other Spike Lee joints. 
you got game, which is the Spike Lee basketball joint that I always forget and want to call Basketball Diaries. I wrote or I read um, a long ass essay last night about how the first Spider-Man film, the first Raimi one, is actually all about class struggle. And um, it, I was thoroughly convinced. And um, then you watched it again. You're like, wait, no, none of this shit is in here. <laughs> no, I haven't watched it again yet, but uh, I'm planning to now. It may that may make it one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> really changed the movie for me. We'll see. Oh, this is a pretty good. Essay I mean, some of that's in there you, because of, I don't know. I don't feel like it's a stretch, but well, it's the, been a long time since I saw it. The movie Raimi made uh, directly before Spider-Man was called The Simple Plan, which is explicitly about class struggle. So I don't know. If I mean, like, Spider-Man's like the one of the perfect. Well, he's the only working class superhero, right? Well, I mean, they got some newer ones these days, but yeah, yeah. the traditionally for a long time, yeah. I guess Daredevil kind of and Superman is a lawyer working class only because he forces himself to be. Yeah, but he I didn't... would not consider a journalist as part of the working class, but he well, not, not these days. No, yeah. they're definitely far above us in the tax bracket. As oh, I mean, I have an idea for a Superman movie. Well, what is it? Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I just Spider-Man is the um, only working class hero. And then, yeah, the movie he made beforehand called simple plan specifically about, uh, class struggle and it makes me think maybe he just carried over some of the ideas or maybe like that's just what he had on his mind when he wrote it or the fact that spider-man is working class hero and or lives in new york and that's kind of like the culture of new york oh there's a lot of things that went into it but uh, the essay was pretty convincing but the whole crux of the move of the movie being class struggle is like at the end or basically norman osborne slash green goblin is uh or peter parker and it has a choice between um Norman Osborn and Green Goblin or following what his uncle told him who died an unemployed electrician, right? Real working class background versus uh, the, 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 the restrictive, re- restricted, powerful, wealthy greed of Norman Osborn versus uh, his working is that class. The, I don't, is that the choice in the Spider-Man movies? I don't really remember that. That's what the first one is about for sure. Oh. It's all oh, about... Yeah. Norman trying to convince Peter to work for him, and then Green Goblin trying to pr- convince Spider-Man to work with them. Oh, yeah, or I don't know. It's Spider-Man so being f- true to himself. I guess it's because I'm so used to the story; it's just so fucking thin to me. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that could be another aspect of it. Is the story itself is thin enough that maybe you could apply all sorts of meaning to it? Right. I mean, you can even do like a uh, there's like a moral emotional angle to it. You can even strip away some of that yeah. classism to it. I don't know. The our, the essay is like eight pages long and researched and has shit, like there's way, that's that. way too much time to spend on a Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm gonna believe that essay over you since you can't even remember the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so for now, I'm sticking with that essay. Now, I remember all of it. There you got Green Goblin in like a robot like Power Ranger suit. Yeah, uh, he's constantly smiling at you for some some fucking reason. Um, there's a butler who becomes important in the third movie. Oh, that's Sam Raimi's dad, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what it is. I yeah. washed your father's wounds, sir. It was <laughs> the glider what done it. <laughs> I just, it, I don't know. Again, it seems real thin. And plus, there's the, uh, the is the the fucking train scene, or is that the second one? Yeah. No, the second one is the train. The first one is uh There's two Spider-Man there's as Jesus ones. <laughs> the one where he has to stop a train as Jesus is Spider-Man. The Spider-Man two. The end of the first one is he has to choose between Mary Jane or a train car full of regular citizens. And he's, since he's Spider-Man, he's able to save them both. There you go. Thank and you. then uh, one aspect of it is in the, 
as presented in the essay is uh, the members of the train car get out of it and start throwing shit at Green Goblin as representative of the working class rising up. Or it also might just be like, yeah, New Yorkers are so strong after 9-11. That could be it, too. I don't know. I like to think of it as the class struggle book. Uh, you know what I mean? That's, there's a lot of there's a lot of like in this like movie or literary literary analysis or any analysis into uh, art where it's like you're shooting an arrow and then pinning a target around it afterwards. Oh yeah, it's that whole death of the author thing, right? So it yeah. doesn't matter what the author intended; it's what I see in it. Let's ask J.K. Rowling about Harry Potter real quick. I don't. Who gives a fuck? What she has to say about <laughs> anything. I don't know, man. I don't know why people fucking who Harry Potter. JK I loved how as soon as she man, was done with Harry Potter, show. she has slowly ruined it for everyone. Like with the Pottermore shit, and like, like, oh yeah, he was gay all the time, but I don't want to reveal it for some fucking reason. Because I'm a pussy who doesn't believe in anything. And, and like, uh, <laughs> we're gonna do uh, video games now, and the, none of these fucking Rufus Scarmander movies are any good. No one gives a shit, you know. And oh, by the way, if you're born with a vagina, you're not a woman. And wizards uh, shit their pants. <laughs> no, they don't. They poop on the floor and then magic it away. No, they shit their pants and magic it away. I thought they did it on the floor. No, she's saying they just relieve themselves. It doesn't say anything about the floor. She, they're just shitting their pants, man. <laughs> if I was a wizard, I'd poop on the floor and then I'll magic it away. You know tons of those wizards have a scat fetish, too. Oh, they just yeah. shit their pants and walk well, you, around. Their their poop, you can make their poop talk and and move around. Uh, they they're into wizards and into some weird shit. Yeah, think, just think Jake about like the what the polyjuice potion lets you get away with. Yeah, like uh, rape. Sort of. Well, no, you could absolutely rape some. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking more like just like role playing shit. You got it. You made it weird. Well, I was thinking um. You got uh, how, you're getting the revenge of the nerd shit. Well, I was thinking about how J.K. Rowling has seems to have like no legitimate ethical or moral compass. And she doesn't seem to believe in any. Um, she doesn't have any hard beliefs. It seems like so I wasn't I was, talking about her personally. I was just trying to like, well, yeah, if, I, if these I was things were possible, it to the logical extent of the world she created, where um, there <laughs> seems to be very simplified versions of good and evil, even though the whole overarching system of the world she created is evil so i was extrapolating from that well so everything possibly bad that could come out of everything she created that's probably how the world operates that she created <laughs> um shit uh martin lawrence is in this movie too it's his film debut martin. he's got a funny lisp oh. it's good it's good it's classic martin lawrence he's great. i still gotta see the new bad boys movie i haven't i don't really have any desire to yeah you do yeah also, the film debut of Rosie Perez. Oh, looking so fine. Yep, Rosie Perez rules. She was cast as Mookie's love interest after Lee saw her dancing at a Los Angeles dance club. He's like, hey, guess what? You're going to play my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, there's something a little bit creepy about it. Yeah. Also, the nude scene she was kind of uncomfortable with. So, uh, uh, Rosie Perez decided to take the part because her sister lived four blocks from the set, which is fucking awesome. So, you know, it's pretty convenient. <laughs> Rosie Perez's best movie of all time, White Men Can't Jump. I do like White Men Can't Jump. And then also listeners probably know her from Pinnacle Express, but that movie's getting kind of old too, so I don't know what to tell you. Wasn't she... She did a voice in something too. Uh, uh, shit. I don't know. I don't got kids. I ain't watched cartoons. Listen yeah, it was, it was Go Diego Go. I don't remember what it was, but what oh. she did, but it was Diego. Diego. I'm familiar with Go Diego Go because of your children, actually. 
Ah, fuck you then. Yeah. You just, I don't watch cool kids shows. <laughs> oh, wait, I watch kids shows because you're kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do watch them and I enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this episode is going to be pretty long in the tooth, apparently. Whatever. Oh, this man, we're an hour and a half in. We have not really talked about the movie. No, well, film critical and commercial success received numerous accolades, including Academy Award nominations for Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for ILO's portrayal of Sal, the Pizzeria owner. Is often listed among the greatest films of all time. Uh, it was nominated for Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, like I said. Uh, many people believe that Do the Right Thing also deserved a Best Picture nomination. And, mm. and in fact... <laughs> oh, Kyle, not in 1989. Well, it, it lost to Driving Miss Daisy. Oh! Uh, Lee said in April 7, 2006, in an interview with New York Magazine, that the other film's success, which he thought was based on safe stereotypes, it's a white savior movie, hurt him more than if his film had not been nominated for an award at all. Yeah, the difference between um, Do the Right Thing and Driving Miss Daisy is, like, fucking stark. <laughs> Do the Right Thing is real shit, and Driving Miss Daisy is the white moderates that we mentioned previously. It's content for them to feel uh, safe and comfortable with. It, it's, it's, you know, it's actually nice having to Green address. Book, so. yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you haven't seen it, but you've seen Green Book, you've seen it. Yeah, it's the same shit. It's like, hey, you know... Don't worry about racism because we can all hold hands about it and then do absolutely nothing politically, socially, uh, monetarily, even you know, right, conversationally about it because we fixed it with the movie, right? <laughs> no, you fix it when you per, you spray paint Black Lives Matter on the spray paint and, and then you kneel with some cops and then it's fixed. Yeah, that's it. Except for the cops uh, tear gas you about an hour or two later. So. No, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with that part. <laughs> oh, no, totally, yeah. That one of the cop, the cop that pushed down that old man, he was uh, kneeling with protesters uh, the day before. <laughs> so fucking, uh, <laughs> fucking cops. He was an, that old man was agitator. He was coming right for me. Yeah, he's an agitator. Yep, he holds his left wing view because he's an agitator. <laughs> Die, old the man. The Catholic Church is like he's a protester for peace. Yeah, fucking ridiculous. Uh, he, uh, Spike Lee first got the idea for this film after watching Alfred Hitchcock's Presents episode Shopping for Death in which the main characters discuss their theory that hot weather increases violent tendencies and there are statistics that show possibly some correlation between hot weather or summertime specifically depending on the region and social unrest revolutions and revolts. So as the summer gets hotter more police will need to be beaten. He's also inspired by the 1986 Howard Beach racial incident and the shooting of Eleanor Bumpers by police. Oh, what's the Howard Beach, Beach racial incident? Huh? Huh? Um, I don't know. What is it? Well, uh, in the Wikipedia article uh, uh, for Do the Right Thing, it is referenced as the Howard Beach racial incident. If you click on it, it turns into the murder of Michael Griffith. So just you know, just one of those little things where they're trying to you know, a little soften the blow, a little a little racist action. Well, you, you can see it at the end of this movie. It's, uh, Spike does it there when he's like, "Oh, there's we got to see what that destruction of property was about." Yeah. So oh, we can't uh, poor poor Radio Raheem. That's also the same thing with uh, the people for a long time called the 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 Tulsa uh, race murders. They call them Tulsa race riots, right? Mm. It seems as though. You know, it was just rioting that got out of hand. Not that it was targeted destruction and murder of black folks. 
So there's even like this corruption of language. That, well, I mean, I frankly, it is don't mention Tulsa. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. So to, to summarize the murder of Michael Griffith late on the night of, of Friday, December nineteenth, nineteen eighty-six, four black men: Michael Griffith, Cedric Sandiford, Curtis Sylvester, and Timothy Grimes. Uh, all in their 20s were riding a car when it broke down a deserted stretch of Cross Bay Boulevard near the Broad Channel neighborhood of Queens. Three of the men walked about three miles north to seek help in Howard Beach, a mostly white community. Um, <clears throat> yep, they argued with some white teens who were on their way to a party, then left. Uh, later on in the night, they reached the New York or the New Park Pizzeria near the intersection of Cross Bay Boulevard and 50, 157th Avenue. They ate some pizza. And they were confronted by a group of white men, including the group they had earlier confronted. Racial slurs were exchanged and a fight ensued. Sandifer and Griffin were seriously beaten. Grimes escaped unharmed. While trying to evade his attackers, Griffith was thrown onto a nearby highway where he was accidentally struck and killed by a car driven by a man not involved in the fight. Ouch. Sucks to be that guy. Yep. So Griffith's death provoked strong outrage and immediate condemnation by then mayor of New York City, Ed Koch. His name is pronounced Koch, not Coke, right? Yeah. Yeah. He referred to the case as the number one case in the city. Two days after the event on December 22nd, three local teenagers, John Lester, Scott Curran, and Jason Ladone, students of John Adams High School, John Adams High School, were arrested and charged with second degree murder. Ed Koch was like, oh, thank God it wasn't the cops this time. And then uh, it's interesting that these these were, (laughs) I mean, these are future cops probably. They have the ingredients for it, obviously. So, yeah, it's uh, just three uh, regular-ass suburban teenage white kids from high school. uh, Racist as shit. Got a man killed. So, wonder why that would be. Is it because of um, the just rampant racism in the United States? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, the other inspiration would be the death of Eleanor Bumpers, or the murder of, on October 29th, 1984. The police were present to enforce the city ordered eviction of Bumpers, an elderly disabled African-American woman from her public housing apartment in the Bronx. In requesting the New York Police Department assistance, housing authority workers told, police office, told the police that Bumpers was emotionally disturbed, had threatened to throw a boiling lie, and was using a knife to resist eviction. When she refused to open the door, police broke in. In the struggle to subdue her, one officer fatally shot her twice with a 12-gauge shotgun. It was Officer Stephen Sullivan who shot her, and he was in, indicted on second-degree manslaughter. Uh, what do you think happened to that guy? Mm, I'm going to say he also went to jail for a long time after being found guilty. He lost his pension, and his family was forced to leave town in shame. Nah, I quit it and his life went on as normal. Ah, damn. Yeah, well, I wonder why he had to shoot her twice. Well, she wasn't subdued after the first shotgun blast yeah, at point this, blank range. The elderly woman, I'm sure, yeah. She had some boiling lie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Spike Lee wrote this screenplay in two weeks, which is not the same thing as we were, remember we were maligning Friday the 13th last week for only in two weeks. There's a big difference between slapping together some bullshit in two weeks to make a quick buck and having a spark of inspiration and having like a fire. Well, I mean, here's another thing too. Like, um, it depends on how much time and energy you're putting into those two weeks. And plus, he's also the producer, writer, and director of this, which means he's also writing the entire movie as he goes. Anyways, yeah. you know I mean, he's re- it's like it's a completely different situation. Like some dude is like, "Yeah, go bank this shit, you asshole." <laughs> yeah. So Th- the- that said, I'm still not giving uh, any um, leeway to fucking weird science. That was a garbage movie. <laughs> 
I think as we watch more John Hughes films there, uh, none of them are going to hold up. I think John Hughes might have been uh, white bullshit. <laughs> uh, the film was shot entirely on location on Stuyvesant Avenue between Quincy Street and Lexington Avenue in the bed neighborhood of Brooklyn. Sesame Street? Sesame Street's in New York too, huh? Yeah. Mm. You know, fictional world, Sesame Street isn't a bad one. Yeah, but they still have to talk to kids about um, racism and domestic abuse. Yeah, but only because stuff. it happens outside of Sesame Street. Oh, it doesn't ever happen at Sesame Street? Right, it's perfect at Sesame Street. That's oh. what I like to believe. I, don't, I haven't watched Sesame Street in years. I assume they're not... Ha- I, don't, I don't think anybody's getting in anybody's shit on Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, on this street... We can hope. This particular street... The color scheme was altered by the production designer. He used a great deal of red and orange paint to convey the sense of a heat wave. The movie does look hot. Everyone's sweaty as shit. Mm-hmm. Especially Rosie Perez. Mm-hmm. She gets ice cubed. The Uncomfortably, cream. apparently. Yep. Hard to watch that scene. <coughs> Not hard to watch her dance in the beginning, though. <laughs> it went on for a long time. I just As soon as the movie started, because I haven't seen it in a couple years... I was like, fuck, yeah, this is that real fucking raw, like, powerful 90s Spike Lee shit. You know what I mean? Like, there was no one who was directing, like, Spike Lee back then. It's just, like, real, like, visceral, and there's so much energy to it and shit. And it was like, fucking, yeah, just having the opening credits over Rosie Perez dancing for, like, eight minutes. Like, fucking mm, art. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Korean grocery store and Sal's Pizzeria were built from scratch on two empty lots. And the pizzeria was fully functionally, fully oh. functional, and the actors cooked pizzas in the ovens. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because that'd be cool because you'd just be chilling, eating pizza all day, taking naps. Um, hopefully, Danny Aiello didn't make the pizzas because I saw him working with that dough and he put a shit ton of flour on it. Yeah, he was flouring way too much. He also did not stretch the dough. <clears throat> I worked at a pizza, pizza, pizzeria for like six, seven months. It was great. Uh, the people that owned and managed it and ran it were terrible. They acted like fucking crazy, like they thought they were living on like some fucking reality show about a pizza or some shit. They're so overly <laughs> dramatic. So that's why I haven't worked there very long. Fucking making pizzas rules. Actually, like a lot of like the um like line cook, making pizzas, that sort of type of jobs, because you can just like get into a flow. Yeah, you just you just clock out or zone I always kinda like those jobs. They're not good and you don't get paid shit, but uh you can just the eight hours fly by because you just thinking about like fucking Transformers while you're making food and shit. <laughs> Listen to music. Dude. I wonder that, what Ultra Magnus is up to these days. Yeah. Uh, during filming, the neighborhood's crack dealers threatened the film crew for disturbing their business there. And so uh, Spike Lee hired the Fruit of Islam members to provide security. <laughs> so yeah, they'd probably fuck up some crack dealers. <laughs> uh, the original script did end with a stronger reconciliation between Mookie and Sal than uh, Lee ended up using in the film. And then he never explained why he changed the ending, which I, I think it's pretty obvious. I, not obvious, but in my opinion, I think he changed the ending to be more ambiguous so that uh, um, audiences just have to sit with it longer and think about, oh, did he do the right thing? Would I do the right thing? What is the right thing? You know what I mean? What is the right thing? Also, I think the reconciliation they have at the end of the movie is good enough anyway. So you can tell like at the end, they're just kind of like, well, all right, shit happens, I guess. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they kind of both seem a little bit sorry for how where it went personally, but like not not too worried about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. At the end, they're both just kind of worried about each other personally, mm-hmm. and then like, all right, see you later. 
Which is you what, know, what are you getting up to today? <laughs> sometimes that's how it goes. You just gotta squash the beef. Sometimes you know it gets to the boiling point, and then afterwards you're like, "Well, okay." Uh, this is, of course, a critically acclaimed film with a currently a 93% Rotten Tomatoes score. With the synopsis being smart, vibrant, and urgent without being didactic, "Do the Right Thing" is one of Spike Lee's most fully realized efforts and one of the most important films in the 1980s. Possibly one of the most important films of all time. Still absolutely worth watching. Doesn't seem dated at all. Obviously, the fashion. <laughs> yeah, no bit. shit, Kyle. <laughs> Fashion's a little bit, but otherwise, um, nothing else about it is dated. Fucking go and watch it right now, unless you're like fucking exhausted spiritually and emotionally yeah. from seeing violence against the black. So, folks, uh, so, here's a question: Is Mookie upset at Sal at the end? I'm not talking at the very end. I'm talking like when he throws the uh, trash can through the the window. Is he? Is he pissed at Sal? Is he trying to save Sal's and his kids' lives? Because there's a second there where it's a, it could turn really bad for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of both. Because obviously he doesn't... I mean, I don't know. He probably doesn't give a fuck about Pino, John Turturro's character. <laughs> but right. He probably doesn't want Sal and uh, his other Guido, stuff. Yeah. yeah, Guido get killed. Guido, it's Vito. Don't be racist. Oh, Vito. I'm fucking... <laughs> Vito and Pino are already kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I do think he also is completely like frustrated with the situation. I'm mean, they did just get Radio Rahim killed, man. <laughs> uh, both surprisingly, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert ranked the film as the best of 1989, and they later each ranked it as one of the top ten films of the decade. Uh, yeah, Gene. see, I'm I'm turning around on Ebert. He's more right than he's wrong. Yeah, that's true. Uh, only number six for Siskel and number four for Ebert. So Ebert's more of an ally than Siskel is, too. <laughs> I got to see the rest of, uh, of Siskel's list to, be, to know for sure. Uh, in addition to it, though, Ebert later added Do the Right Thing to his list of the great movies. His you know, long-running list of great movies. So uh, Siskel, first of all, didn't even have a list. And if he did... <laughs> He probably wouldn't put do the right thing on it. So, but driving Miss Daisy would definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck Cisco. Man, that'd be embarrassing if either of their like uh, top films for '89 had driving Miss Daisy and <laughs> do the right thing on it. Up oh, top ten movies, 1989. I don't know if these are in order, but do the right um, thing. Drugstore cowboy, my left foot, born on the Fourth of July, Roger and me, Mighty Quinn, Feel the Dreams. I don't know. Crime and misdemeanors. Oh shit, Kyle, you ready? Yeah. Driving Miss Daisy. Ooh, ooh. And then and then say anything. Ooh, ooh. That was Ebert. That I think this is Ebert's. Yeah. Uh, Ebert. That Ebert's fucking loser. Although I think it is. I think it is in order. So do the right thing is number one. Now uh, do the right thing is supposed to be number four. Oh, I don't know what it is. this list is. This is from RogerEbert.com though. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> According to online film resource, they shoot pictures, don't they? Do the Right Thing is the most acclaimed film of 1989. Uh, check this out, though. This is going to shock you. After release, many reviewers protested its content. Some colonists opined that the film could incite black audiences to riot. Wow, well, that's uh, that's certainly the message you want to take away from this. You know what? This is really terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. Black I hope people, black people are gonna, don't riot over it. <laughs> that's the, oh, black people might be angry. That's what uh, fucking white people are worried about anyways. It's like, the oh, shit, what if black people take revenge? That's their concern. I mean, like, Not for like the, the fact that it's other fucking human beings that are suffering. They're like, no, what if black people mean to me? <laughs> if we give black people rights, I, perhaps they'll be mean to me. Fucking not even logical. Even if, yeah. even if you, there's just not... 
So uh, the joke's on them, though, because I will be mean to them. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be mean to them. Yeah. Uh, in response to these criticism, uh, Lee criticized these white reviewers in turn for suggesting that black audiences were incapable of restraining themselves while watching a fictional motion picture, which is fucking obvious. Oh, it, it, that really is like infantilizing the entire <laughs> community, right? They can watch a movie and write. Just like when uh, white people watched Godfather and we all became gangsters. <laughs> That's actually true. Um, as recently as 2014, when Spike Lee was interviewed, he said, that shit still bugs the shit out of me. Calling the remarks outrageous, egregious, and I think racist. Yeah, I'd say it's I don't think racist. you need to think about it, Spike. It's definitely racist. It's, I, it's no two ways about it. He said, I don't remember people saying people were going to come out of theaters killing people after they watched Arnold Schwarzenegger films. <laughs> I mean, I, I, to be fair, like Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have a political message. But like, yeah. even if it's like a goddamn like World War II movie where it's like, rah, rah, America, no one was worried about a bunch of Americans coming out and killing Japanese people. Like, yeah. I, no one was worried about like Torah, Torah, Torah inciting white people yeah. violence against <laughs> Asians. I don't. Yeah, which uh, would have been a more legitimate concern, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish people saw, like, Saving Private Ryan and walked out of it like, fucking let's kill Nazis. Because, I mean, we've let it get way out of hand in the United States. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, these people are dumb. Well, speaking of the ending of the film, um, an open question is presented at the end of the film. Whether Mookie does the right thing. When he throws the garbage can through the window, inciting, inciting the riots that destroys Sal's pizzeria. Some critics have interpreted Mookie's actions as an action that saves Sal's life by redirecting the crowd's anger away from Sal to his property. And others say that it was an irresponsible encouragement to enact violence. Uh, that last one is absolutely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Um, Spike Lee has remarked that only white viewers ask him if Mookie did the right thing. Black viewers do not ask the question. Lee believes the key point is that Mookie was angry at the wrongful death of Radio Rahim. Viewers who question the riot are explicitly failing to see the difference between damage to property and the death of a black man. Well, I'm sorry, Kyle. Damage to property is much more important. I obviously know the difference. Uh, yes, what are you, uh, the entire American news apparatus and several of the United States citizens? <laughs> Those are motherfuckers out here fucking scrubbing graffiti off of Chase Bank and shit. Fucking For baby. free? Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I, fucking no. hate, I fucking hate the use of, like, uh, cuck as, like, a derivative term from the internet or whatever, but as, that is absolutely the most cuck shit I've ever seen. Uh, no, you get paid for that. <laughs> no, fucking people are out there, like, Sunday no, afternoon. No, no, yeah, spend no. Yeah, spending their Sunday afternoon scrubbing graffiti off of a fucking chase bank <laughs> oh my god and there's a little bitch ass uh fucking uh lads little cracker lads in england right now trying to get that slave owners oh yeah i saw that shit <laughs> these fucking I saw there's people. like five of them like you need some more homeboys dude <laughs> fucking all they eat is boot man they're not even licking boots anymore they're eating them just fucking by the serving oh. just playfuls of boots so i can get it in people are fucking dumb and then uh I got distracted. What were we talking about before you told me the people are washing graffiti off Chase for free? Oh, the, the uh, viewers who question the rider explicitly failing to oh, okay, see yeah, between yeah. damaged property and the death of a black man, uh, which um, that was a large discussion recently throughout all these uh, protests. Is, well, you know, 
Well, you, you got you can't take them seriously if they damage property. Mm. I mean, technically, yeah, damaging property is technically violence, but barely. The only so the only negative thing I see about damaging property, especially if it's like privately, like corporately owned, you know that sort of shit. The obvious only negative to it is that uh, there's uh, seems to be a fucking social stigma to it. So to avoid uh, stigmatizing your protests, I guess yeah, avoid. I mean- just you so did. people can't talk shit about you. But they're going to try to talk shit about you anyways. So when it comes down to it and you get the chance to burn down a police station, fucking burn it down like Minneapolis. <laughs> I mean, just sometimes be more direct in your your, uh, your violence against buildings. And you'll probably be fine. Like, there's some ice buildings you can burn down. Well, yeah, we need to get fucking... We need hey, you know, straight up. Do you know how many... I've, I think I said this on the... Maybe on the, the uh, Police Academy podcast when we were talking about protests in general but do you know how many fucking um confederate monuments are in arizona how many like eight do you know how many battles were fought in arizona none one oh I, <laughs> and it was between was like even, 20 people arizona was, we were part of mexico still weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we were territory at that point but oh jesus christ that's ridiculous well, there's about to be zero that's what I'm talking. Like I can't believe none of these protests have torn them down yet. It's because 100 because that that Phoenix protest is 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 bullshit. Is run by an asshole. Well, there seems to be the problem with that in Portland and Seattle too. There's a lot. It seems to be astroturfing some of the leadership of the protests. There's like people showing up that uh, no one's familiar with that don't seem to be affiliated with any organization. There's some dude in like Seattle who's like for sh- he's uh, they they know for sure he's like a model. Who just like came into town and like has been like talking to the police and showing up on the news and shit? Like like weird. Instagrammers in the wild shit. Yeah, <laughs> but like they're in like position of like uh, like propaganda positions. It fucking because I don't know. Someone's paying them and bringing them in to do this shit. This is fucking how weird and corrupt like the United States society is. We're like, oh, we'll just bring in a nice looking black guy who will say the police are great. I swear, this is fucking, this fucking weird covert operation shit. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, how racist the United States is and how racist it continues to be, uh, as recently as June 20, 2006, Entertainment Weekly magazine plays Do the Right Thing at number 22 on its list of the 25 most controversial movies ever made. What's fucking controversial about the movie? I, do I mean, not I understand. I, <laughs> I guess, I mean... Maybe they're just really scraping at controversial movies. I guess. Because really, there's not that many. No, I think it's... Uh, I'm sure there was some controversy at the time, but to, to go back and reflect on that controversy, which amounts to uh, racists being upset, well, why bring it up again? That's not real controversy. That's just you know, people fucking pissing in their pants and shit. Uh, it's, you know, because we got to fight the same battles that were fought 20 years ago. I know. I don't want to. I'm going to because I have to. But eventually, this shit needs to end. I got. I fucking hope so. If, it, it's got. This, I feel like I'm dealing with it my entire life. With this. Yeah, it's not fucking. Well, you said in the last podcast, but one of your earliest memories is the uh, 1992 uh, running. Yeah, King the running right? Yeah. Right. The protests. The beating. Yeah, I don't want to call them riots either. Yeah, I apologize for calling them riots. The, um. <laughs> Yeah, no, the Rodney King beating and the 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 uh, acquittal afterwards, and then the, yeah, the protests, the explosion in L.A. I remember it was my earliest memories as a kid. Luckily, um, I mean the weirdos listen to this podcast say unluckily they'll say that uh, we are corrupted by our mom's pop- propaganda and we, of, of, of like feminist uh, egalitarian propaganda and shit. But 
Uh, luckily, even as like a six-year-old, I remember like um, my mom being able to frame the situation to me. So I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." No, I guess yeah, it's really true. I don't remember being like, <laughs> "Why are these black people going crazy?" Yeah, it was just it was simple shit. You could tell six-year-olds, you know, like well, they're angry. And plus, it was that was the first time there was a video too. So yeah, that's the thing is, I'm not the first time, but like the, that's the first video that really blew up. I actually remember a couple videos before that. To bring that into contrast with modern times, uh, uh, Nickelodeon went out of their way to do uh, eight minutes and forty six seconds of silence for yeah, George yeah. Floyd. Parents were pissed, and people freaked the fuck out. Like, oh, the children shouldn't have to deal with this. Actually, yeah, you're fucking shitty. Yeah, white no, you're kids. right. You're no, absolutely right. Children, well, children, children should not have to deal with this. Exactly, but but um, not for the reason you're saying. Yeah, the, the problem is there's tons of children of color that do have to deal with this as part of their life. They learn about it very young and you're a shitty ass white kids they need to learn about it too so they don't continue to perpetuate it so now it's time to fix shit you don't want to see the shit on nickelodeon about people dying they have stopped letting people be dies stop letting people get murdered by the cops stop letting simple. people yeah, just stop letting people die uh yeah so uh do the right thing got me fired up this week i watched it a couple times because the internet went out again on friday so i watched <laughs> the do the right thing my mom was complaining about that too when i talked yeah. to yeah and uh spend um so originally i do the right thing i chose it because i really like the movie like i said i really like spike lee um i feel like it's a really good summertime movie um because it's all about just being overwhelmed by the heat of the summer but also the heat of united states repression right like the concept of i can't breathe obviously these gentlemen said they couldn't breathe while they were being uh, choked to death by police officers but it's it's a broader concept, right? Where you fucking can't breathe in the United States. You can't even fucking breathe, right? So the stifling nature of it. Um, I, I obviously we would have talked about some of the shit still too when we watched Do the Right Thing because it's not like uh, magically <laughs> George Floyd was killed and suddenly I was outraged and aware <laughs> of racial injustice in the United States. Well, hey, shit! It's not the first time the cops have uh, choked a black man to death, so we, no. we would have had plenty to talk about. Yeah, we could just talk about Eric Garner instead, or many of the other countless victims of the United United States racist police and racist systems in general. Um, so I don't know. I guess uh, if. It seems out of line for two white boys to talk about it. I apologize, but um, I'm fucking angry and fed up too. So I don't know. There needs to be some white voices, I think, that can just say, you know, this is fucking bullshit. Uh, I'm exhausted of it. I've seen it in my entire life. I don't want, like, my brothers and sisters to be killed by the fucking cops. I don't want there to be cops. I don't want there to be people killed for any of this fucking bullshit. It's time for it. Damn, I'm fucking angry. I'm ready to explode. I'll throw a fucking trash can through some Italian dudes, the fucking pizzeria to start a riot. Enough is enough. And more people need to be able to say it. It's fucking, I'm pissed. Enough is enough. It's bullshit. Shouldn't have to live this way. No one should have to live this way. Do the right thing. Everybody just fucking do the right thing. Yeah, no, it is simple. Just uh, do the right thing. And yeah, everyone's got their own little moral compass in their code of ethics or whatever, but uh, I think everyone can agree um, it's wrong for other people to be killed for no reason. So do Well, right well you don't know what happened before the video started, do Kyle. Right and well, I, do, I do know what happened is he tried to use a counterfeit $20 bill, which we don't even know if he knew it was counterfeit or not. And for some reason, <laughs> the cops beat him up and choked him to death. I, you know, uh, I worked at Safeway for like a year and a half. I can't tell you the number of counterfeit bills I've seen. I don't remember anybody getting beat to death or choked to death over that shit. Yeah, and I also just take them anyway because <laughs> i don't give a fuck about the companies i work for get it together white america america fucking get your shit together do the right thing uh support with all the protesters continue protesting 
don't let it die down. I'm going to be out there with you. It's a little bit strange in Arizona because uh, it doesn't seem to be. Um, uh, Mayor, the police chief was marching with them the other day. In yeah, Phoenix. that's uh, the, the lady that's um, that had to leave the California police because of yeah, all yeah. the problems. All the, all the deaths. Yeah, all the choking deaths. Yeah, all the choking stuff, deaths. So. Yeah. so, yeah, we got her marching with the, the cops out here. And then, yeah, the, the some of the protests have been um, arranged by right-wing figures who were doing it as a prank i mentioned yeah like jake paul was uh, at a protest scottsdale, in scottsdale yeah. looting the mall huh? yeah woo millionaire yeah so Bucks. i'm sure yeah uh i don't get on protest donate if you can um it feels weird to promote the podcast but if you feel like doing that you can do it yeah i don't know just uh listen like um really listen listen to other people especially black voices uh just listen to what they say. They're not. No one's trying to fucking lie to you. I mean, hopefully at this point we no, don't have I anyone. Mean, not in broad strokes, no. Yeah, hopefully at this point we don't have anyone in the audience who like thinks this is bullshit or anything like that. But if you're still clinging to some shit like that, no, like fucking the black community is not trying to trick you. This is real shit. <laughs> trick you it's, into what? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing is, well, yeah. Well, the black, black lives matter. It should be all lives matter. And that's just like, okay. That's the deflection. You're either, um, I mean, like either at best you're just being willfully uh, co-opted into some bullshit, right? But yeah. most people are just, it's so dumb. Save the whales, but only the whales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like uh, that tweet the other day is like, um, um, I lost my aunt today. She's not dead. She's just racist. <laughs> so can, can go forth with that energy. VHS cult. Have oh, I'm at, at Sean McDonald on Twitter. <coughs> yeah, I guess I should put that there. At Kyle Main with two I, two Y's and um, a G in there. You probably just go to at Sean McDonald if you want to follow him and then follow find him through there, or you go to the website. Which is VHSCult.com. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, we got a website and shit. We got it all. We're, this is a legit operation that um, uh, doesn't make any money. In fact, I think it probably costs money. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I believe so far, we, we think about $30 a year in just the website fees, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm willing to pay $30 a year <laughs> to yell at some people on the internet about um, Black Lives Matter. So at least we got to this episode. It seems all worthwhile now. Oh, what are we watching next week? Did you already say? I don't remember. Uh, next week, well, can, <laughs> a little bit coincidentally, it's a little bit more uh, lighthearted in its management of the content. Russian surf Nazis must die. Huh. <laughs> yeah, the trauma classic, surf Nazis must die. So uh, Joe Bob says... Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that'll do it for VHS Cult. I'm fucking angry. You should be angry too. I'm, I'm, I, my anger is turned to sadness. That's because you can't dice. Maybe. Yeah. Rest in peace, Morrissey. The cat. The best Morrissey. Yeah, the real life Morrissey. Really the only so good Morrissey. Yeah. He ate meat though, so. But he's a cat, so he's got he 90% protein. Yeah. What are you going to do? VHS Cult.